Hi, I'm Lesha Holzaffel, and you're listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast, a podcast for moms who are ready to lose the weight they want without gaining it back by learning the holistic approach to nutrition and how our brains determine our long-term success. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad podcast, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. So can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do and who you are? Absolutely. So my, my journey starts, you know, way back at the very beginning, I struggled with my weight from early, early in childhood. And it was probably one of those things that I would have grown out of. The, the rub was that my mom really took issue with my weight. I was the token fat kid in a thin family and my mom felt like my weight was a reflection on her as a mother. So there was a lot of pressure for me to lose weight. There was a lot of dieting mentality kind of brought upon me at a very young age that I needed to lose weight, that I couldn't eat certain things. And what that created in me as a kid was kind of a dysfunctional relationship with food where it was good or bad and I had to sneak things in order to, to have anything indulgent because it wasn't allowed in it wasn't allowed for me in the home. It was allowed for my sister, but it wasn't allowed for me. And my weight just kept climbing and climbing and I was really unhappy with it, but I wasn't losing weight because I had emotional and mental issues around food. And I thought that it was just a weight issue. I was studying Latin and Greek in college and I walked away from that scholarship to study nutrition because I thought, well, if I know more, then that'll be the answer and I'll lose weight. But I was just still getting bigger and bigger and binging and overeating and all of those things. And finally, at some point, I realized that it wasn't a food issue. It was a mindset issue. And when I changed my mind, I really changed my life and I became very committed to that work. And I started my business, Primal Potential, and I wrote my book, Chasing Cupcakes. And so now I'm really committed to the mental and emotional aspects of change because so many times we think that it's one issue, but it's really a mindset issue. I agree. So I've been really getting into the mind stuff too lately, especially over the last year, because I've kind of been the same way. I, um, you know, I've been following a very um, clean diet, I guess what people would say clean. I'm over here with air quotes. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with keto at all. It's actually funny when I saw your name Primal Potential, the first thing I thought was like primal as in like paleo and stuff like that, which you talk about that in your book. And I like had to laugh because I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. But we'll get into what that actually means. But so I've been following a very clean diet and working out. But what I started realizing was I kept on having these habits that I kept on repeating. Can you kind of dive into that and like explain to us how that works? Well, I want to distinguish the difference between like the way your brain works and the thoughts you choose, right? Because sometimes if we think of it as, oh, my brain just works that way, then it feels powerless to us, right? It's just, oh, my brain telling me that I want this thing, but it's not that way. We are fully in control of the stories we tell ourselves, right? There is brain function and absolutely there are, you know, neurotransmitters that are involved, but we're not, we're not going there. We're talking about the stories we choose to tell ourselves. And you can convince yourself of anything. 
I, for the longest time, had convinced myself, the story I told was, I'm just an emotional eater. I'm really great at losing weight and terrible at keeping it off. You know, I love sweets. I have an uncontrollable sweet tooth. I was convincing myself of that. I was telling myself this story. And I got to the point where I realized at the time I had a job that I was really good at. And I had gotten several promotions within a series of just a couple of years. And I had also paid off over $130,000 in debt. And I asked myself, how is it that I can be motivated and disciplined and consistent in these other areas of my life that I don't care about as much as I cared about my weight at the time? How can I be motivated, be disciplined, be consistent there, but not with my health? It didn't make sense because I just believed I'm not motivated. I'm not consistent. But my life told me otherwise. Yes, you are in these other areas. So what is the difference? Well, here's the thing. If I thought about my work the way I thought at the time about my food, I wouldn't have been good at my job. If I told myself, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why they hired me. I'm in over my head then I wouldn't have been good at my job. But if you asked me then what I thought about myself in that role, I would have told you, I'm usually the first one into the office. I'm one of the last one to leave. I volunteer for projects. I ask questions. I believe there's nothing I can't learn. I solve problems. I don't get involved in the drama. I solve problems. I was good at my job because of how I thought about it. It was my mindset. It wasn't my skill set. It was my mindset. My mindset told me, well, yeah, I don't know a lot of things, but I can learn, I can ask, I can try, I can put in the effort. I looked at my mindset around money and around work, and it was very much, I'll figure it out. I'm going to do it. I'm going to work hard. My mindset, my thoughts about myself related to food were totally the opposite, and my results reflected that. I had good, positive results financially and at work, and I had terrible results with my health and with food. Now, here was the challenge. I couldn't just decide at that time that I was going to say I'm fit and I'm healthy and I eat well all the time because, like many people, I didn't believe that. My past did not reflect that. But here's the deal. I didn't have to continue to tell the story of the past just because I couldn't believe in some rosy future. I was able to say simple things like, I have one good choice in me. Just for today, I can say no to the ice cream. Just for today, just for this one moment, right? And I, I ditched the notion that I had to be perfect, that it was all or nothing, and I just took one moment at a time. The thing that was really a, a game changer for me was not leading with the past. I tell my clients all the time, stop using your past as preface. What I mean by that is I might put out a podcast where I'm talking about all or nothing thinking. You know, you talked about being on the wagon and I always say like, there is no wagon. But if I start talking about this all or nothing thinking, I'm either doing really well or screw it, I blew it, I'm doing really poorly. My clients will say, oh, that is so me. And then they'll go and they'll give me 15 examples of patterns that reflect the problem. 
and I say to them, stop using the past as the preface. So if you get a book, the preface is what comes at the beginning that kind of sets the context, and we use our past as the preface saying like, oh my gosh, I'm such an emotional eater. Like I can do well all week, but come the weekend, I totally throw it all away. That is using the past as the preface. And when you do that, you are saying, what is behind me? I choose to carry with me now. The way things have been is the way they still are. You're choosing that. And every repetition is a rehearsal. So every single time you tell yourself this story or you tell me this story of how things have been and how you've screwed up and all the times you failed, you are reinforcing that to your brain. It is an instruction to your conscious and your subconscious mind. So fundamentally, it's not about the choice we're trying to force through white knuckle willpower. It is about changing and upgrading the way we think. So for those that are listening, thinking like, okay, that sounds awesome, but how do I even begin with that? Like I get, you know, one small decision at a time, but when they've gone from years of years of saying these things to themselves, believing these things, what is the process of kind of turning, turning that around? Yeah. And I'm not saying you don't still believe it, right? I still believed that I had a long history of emotional eating. Heck, I still believe that today because that is just the way things were. The point is stop telling yourself those things, right? When you recognize your thoughts or your words reflecting and describing the problem, come back to the solution. I always tell my clients, we have the opportunity to be a creative, energetic problem solver right? But we can't do that when we're just spinning in circles around the problem. And I write about like these four stages in Chasing Cupcakes when it comes to a problem we want to solve. There's sensing, seeking, settling, and solving, all right? Solving is where the action happens. That's where we are in the game, on the court, making changes that are an improvement for us. Where most people loop is on sensing and seeking. Sensing is how I feel about the problem. Oh my gosh, I'm so frustrated with myself. I've been working on this for the last 10 years and I seem to take two steps forward and three steps back. That is sensing, how you feel about your choices, how you feel about the problem. Seeking is solution seeking. Oh, come tomorrow, I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to be consistent. I'm cleaning out my pantry and I'm starting over. And then they get back to how they feel about it. Oh, I don't know if I can. I always, and then they bring in the past, right? I always get fired up like this, but then something happens and it's a birthday or it's a holiday or it's a weekend and here I am back to the beginning. That is unproductive. Imagine if you had somebody on your team at work who came in to every meeting telling you all about the problem and how they felt about it. Oh my gosh, here we are again. We have this issue and We've tried all these things before, but it never seems to make a difference. And we always end up back here. If they did that over and over again, you'd be like, you are not helpful. We don't want you in these meetings because it's totally unproductive. And yet, though we have very little tolerance for that behavior in others, we show up that way ourselves. So what I work with my clients on first and foremost is the practice of being more aware of how you're thinking and being more honest about your thoughts, right? Most people are not even aware that here you go again, turning to the past. I was just on a call with a group of clients about an hour ago, and we were talking about this very thing. 
don't lead with the past. You do not need to have the past as preface to get to the solution. Let's get right to the solution to what you can and will do today. And like a minute later, she was like, well, I know, but what happens is, and went to describe past behavior. And three or four times I had to say, hold on, we're in the solution. That's where we're going. You keep going back to the problem. Most people have practiced that for so long that they lack awareness that, hey, you're in the problem, not the solution. I like to tell people, you know, if there are two houses next door to each other and one house is red and one house is blue and you left your keys in the red house, you can spend all your time and energy searching the blue house for those keys. They're not there. You left them in the red house next door. We spend so much time looking for the solution in the problem, in how we feel about the problem, in how long the problem's been around. And so the first step is being aware. Am I in the problem or am I in the solution? Am I using my energy for action or am I using my energy on how I feel about the problem? We all have a finite amount of energy and attention in any given day. And when you give it to the past and the problem and how you feel about it all, you are robbing that from the solution. I agree. Um, I want to go back to that um, start Monday, start tomorrow type of thing because mm -hmm. I caught myself like for a long time in that situation. We're like, oh, I'll eat better tomorrow. I'll eat cleaner tomorrow. I've already messed up, you know, might as well just like eat the house. How do we start working on that in a way that we can start changing those patterns? Um, you say awareness. So what would that look like as a practice for someone? Well, I think that goes back to being honest. You know, most of us are wildly dishonest with ourselves. And it's not intentional. It's because we lack that awareness. So I'll give you an example. If you came into my office right now and I said, go stand in that corner and tell me what color, as you look into the corner, tell me what color my office is, you would say white. And you would be like, damn sure that my office is white. From your perspective, from the narrow piece that you are looking at, it's white. But if you were to step back and look at everything, you would see that it's actually more blue than it is white. And in our own minds, when we tell this story of I'll start tomorrow, it's like we're looking at this emotional fragment of the truth, this one little corner of the slice of reality, right? But we're not looking at all of it. So what I have people do is step back and say, what else is true here, okay? When I say, oh, I'll start tomorrow, or, oh, I've had this one thing, what's the point? Screw it, I blew it. You are playing a permissive card that works for you to let you off the hook. But what you're not doing is considering everything, you know? And we have to learn to do that. It's no different than... When you wake up in the morning and you think, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go to work. Well, you don't stop there, right? That's not the end of the conversation. The end of the conversation probably includes things like, well, but I have that meeting today. Or I don't have any more paid time off. Or so-and-so is going to be really upset if I don't go. You know, all of these factors. I might lose my job if I don't go in. We consider all of those things. You might not feel like making dinner for your kids, right? But you don't stop there. You realize, well, they need to eat and they're going to be asking me about food and I'm going to cook something. What's it going to be? In other areas of our lives, we don't stop with that initial 
urge, drive, or thought. We keep going. And that is what we have to train ourselves to do in the area where we're stopping with the first thought. I was recently renovating my house, and I remember uh, telling a family member about this idea that I had for the bathroom. And he said, that's a really good idea, but never go with your first good idea. And I think about that a lot, and I tell my clients, don't go with your first thought. You know, if the first thought is, who cares, it doesn't matter, that's just because it's practiced, because it's rehearsed, because it's familiar, because you've done it a hundred times. What I help people do is become a better thinker. Just like you might get really mad at your partner and think like, I just want to punch you in the face. But you don't stop there. Like, that's not like, oh, great, we're going to just punch him in the face. That would not end well. We know in other areas of our lives that we have to remove the emotional tension and we have to consider other factors. And we're great at it. That's the best part of the news. We're already so good at that in other areas of our lives. We just haven't applied it here, right? So we have to practice inviting other aspects of the truth. We have to practice, and the world gives us a million opportunities a day to do so. We have to practice stepping back and saying, okay, that was like the emotional peak thought. That was the most familiar, the most practiced thought. Let me slow down a second and wait for the rest of the truth to show up. What helped you the most to get to that state where you are right now? Because it seems like right now you're very aware of your thoughts. You're very aware of changing them and you obviously help other people do that. So if someone's listening and they have a lot of weight to lose and they're kind of stuck in that, what can you explain your journey through that? 99.9% of my results came from changing my mindset. And if somebody had told me that when I was 350 pounds, I would have said, shut up and tell me what you ate for breakfast. Right. Everybody always wants to know the food, right? Just tell me what to eat. And I'd tell them, but they still don't lose the weight. I, I would not have been happy with that answer, but I also didn't have anybody give it to me. And I wish that I had. You know, so before I kind of tell you what my journey was like, I'll tell you that, you know, there's a difference between smoke and fire. And for me, well, think about it this way. If you are making toast and it starts to burn and the, the smoke alarm goes off, you grab a pot holder and you start waving it around the room to make the smoke detector go off, right? You can clear the smoke enough for the smoke detector to go off. But if you don't address the fact that the toaster's on fire, the smoke is going to billow again and your work never stops until you get to the source of the fire. For me, my weight was the smoke, okay? So I could have spent my whole life chasing the smoke. Oh my gosh, I'm going to try this new diet and I'm going to try this and I'm going to start again on Monday. And oh no, maybe I should be this instead of that. Primal instead of paleo, keto instead of, you know, smart carb or whatever. Your work never stops. Because the issue is being generated by something else. And that is what I am passionate about helping people do, is put out the fire instead of clear the smoke. So, yes, I started eating better, right? And the weight loss touched every different method of doing that, right? It, CrossFit workouts, no workouts at all, just walking, high-intensity interval training, low-carb, carb cycling. There was a little bit of all of it. It really doesn't matter. There are 10 million ways to lose weight and feel great, and every body is different. There is not a one-size-fits-all plan for anybody, period, full stop. 
The only thing that made it different from every time I had gone on a diet and failed before is that I was committed to becoming a better thinker. And when you do that, every moment of temptation, every moment of I don't care, every moment of I'll start tomorrow, every moment of, oh, there's too far to go, what's the point, I'm just gonna accept myself as I am, all of those moments get changed because without it, no matter what you try, your excuses are gonna go with you. It's not that the diet didn't work, it's that you gave up again. It's that you used the weekend as an out again. It's that you used your negative self-talk or the I'm too tired or the whatever I experienced in my life stressed me out and I couldn't focus on it. Those patterns of thought are gonna follow you no matter what kind of workout you're doing, no matter what kind of diet you're following, so that is really the work. I ate differently, sure, but I had eat, been eating differently my whole life, right? I had tried everything before. The difference that allowed me to lose the weight and not put it back on was that I was thinking differently, and that's it. Yeah, I agree. I think everyone's like, oh, the diet doesn't work, and I'm like, uh, yes, it does. There's people that get great results with every single diet on the planet. It's just that people they don't do the mental work with it. So tell me a little bit more about your book. Um, I got it and I'm like quarter way through it. Absolutely love it. Obsessed with it. Such a great book, Chasing Cupcakes. I think every woman needs to pick it up. But who is it? Like, who did you write this book for? You know, I, I wrote the book for my younger self. And I even, I even say that in the, in the intro, like this was the book that I didn't have that I really needed because my issue was primarily that I knew all of these things to do. I knew why I was overweight, but I didn't have the tools to help me in those moments where I just didn't care. I was too tired. I was too overwhelmed. I was feeling down on myself. My friends were drinking and eating all the stuff that I felt like I couldn't have. I didn't have the tools that worked for those moments. And so I wrote the book that I wished I had had. I knew all of the things about what to eat and what not to eat, but the tools like go brush your teeth, they didn't change the thoughts that I was using to talk myself into not doing the work. So I wanted to create a book of mental and emotional tools that I wish I had had for all of those moments that kept me from my goals for decades. So that's, that's really what it's about. It's about creating change. It really doesn't matter what the change is, if it's wanting to lose weight, if it's wanting to improve your relationship, if it's wanting to get out of debt. These are the tools that you can use for all of those moments of doubt, for all of those moments of excuse making. That's really what it's all about. What does primal potential mean? So it really is just about, you know, when I first started and I focused a lot more on food, primal, that's the way I eat, real foods, period. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I don't think that there's a health benefit to a lot of the processed things out there. It doesn't mean that we never have them. I certainly love cupcakes um, and ice cream and all of those things. But primal potential is really nothing more than living up to your potential, which you cannot do if you don't change your mind. So I've got the Primal Potential podcast. I have my book, Chasing Cupcakes. I do daily mindset upgrade text messages where it's just a short audio message 
seven days a week to help you shift your mind into a higher gear with tools. I share how I upgrade my own mindset every single day so that you have that kind of example of practical application every single day. And then, yeah, I work with clients um, through a 12-week program of changing your mind so that you don't feel stuck in changing your choices. That's awesome. So where can our listeners find you? Give us all the links and the sites and all the deets. Yeah, sure. So the podcast Primal Potential is on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere you listen to podcasts. We uh, have over 800 episodes. We've been going for several years now, three episodes a week. Otherwise, primalpotential.com or you can find me on Instagram. That's where I kind of share my own journey and my own life at Elizabeth Benton on Instagram. Awesome. And also got to get the book, Chasing Cupcakes. Such Thank a great so book. Much. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Elizabeth. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast. If you're looking for free resources to get you started on your weight loss journey, go to www.bsbtribe.com forward slash resources. If you're ready to take your weight loss to another level and work with me personally, I invite you to join the BSB Tribe waitlist. Spots are limited in this exclusive online community, but if you join the waitlist, you'll be the first to know when doors open up again. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.